Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to The Hatch and our first seminar of the weekend. Woo. Chris, this is going to be right on your head. Um, uh, you're very welcome. Uh, in this space, we obviously have a cafe at the back and there's some games, so if you're playing, that is fine. Uh, just uh, keep the noise down or we'll set Chris on you. No. It's okay, people play. Uh, and you can still take part in some other things. Maybe don't play Giant Jenga. Uh, maybe on a softer location. Um, but yeah, uh, we have Chris Boucher uh, with us and he is from the big house and he is going to be doing three seminars, right? right. Every day at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. time with Chris. Um, but uh, so we're delighted to have him here. And yeah, over to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Emma, yes, you're all very welcome to the seminar. I hope you really enjoy it. So we're doing these three seminars, not back to back today. You'll be pleased to know we're not doing it like that. We're doing one each day at two, as, as Emma's saying. And each seminar is going to have similar theme. We're, the idea we're trying to go is that each one will be in a, something on its own, but also all three will link together. So don't, I'm a bit of a movie nerd. Any movie nerds in, the, in here today? Yeah, yeah, good. The Toy Story trilogy was described as the perfect trilogy ever made, the most perfect trilogy ever made, the, f the first three anyway, because each one works as its own individual movie without having to see the one before or the one after, but they all link together brilliantly. So I'm going to try and aim for that sort of thing. Each one works on its own as a seminar, but if you want to come to all three, they'll all complement each other, all right? So that's what we're going to do today. Now we're going to do a few wee things, so you're not just be sitting listening to me all the whole time, because I know that, that I wouldn't want to sit and listen to me just the whole time. So we'll be doing a few wee things, so hopefully you enjoy it. So we'll have to get a bit of space and make some stuff and so on during the seminar. So, like I was, Emma said, I'm Chris uh, Boucher and I work for The Big House. And these says Big House here in our hoodies and so on. And you can find out a lot more about The Big House anytime you come to The Hatch. We're going to be here um, all weekend or, or whatever. It's not a long weekend, I suppose. Isn't it? So you can come and ask us anything you want to know about the big house. But just to give you a little idea of what it is, we basically are a Christian charity that works with young people, um, but aiming towards the work for with like mental needs and um, issues that young people face. We do a lot of programs to help young people work um, and, and, and get their emotional and mental well-being in check and how to keep managing it and how to do well with that. So we do lots of fun programs, lots of uh, seminars and workshops all based on mental health and mental well-being and emotional well-being. And um, We run, run camps and residentials, although we can't do that at the minute because our big house is getting renovated soon but then we'll be able to have people to our, our actual big house. We're called the big house, but we now have an actual big, big house with great grounds outside and so on, and a fire pit and a stone fire pizza oven that we just got put in a few weeks ago, but we can't quite make the pizzas well on them just yet, but we're getting there. Um, but it's a great place, and we can't wait to have young people come up to stay at it and do some of our camps and our residentials and all that sort of stuff. We also do work with young people with additional needs and so on, and we work with different organisations to try and do that as well. So we do a whole range of different things and different programmes. So if you want to know anything more about it, do come and ask us at different times. All across in these lovely teal-coloured um, hoodies, you'll see people that work for the big house, and you come and ask us, and we'll tell you. Okay, now, can you all see the screen Okay. Can anybody tell me what am I trying to say with this, with this picture? What do you think I'm trying to say? Be different, yep. Anything else? Stand out, yes. Anything else? These are all right answers, by the way. This is not, they're, not, they're not wrong. What was that, heard it? Unique, that's right, unique. We're all unique, aren't we? 
And that's a really good, good thing. And we should celebrate that. God's deliberately made us to be unique, unique, different individuals. And we all do stand out from one another. You know, I even know a pair of identical twins who are very, very different, very different. Their hair tastes and the way they do their hairstyles and their fashion sense and the music that they're into, very, very different. We're all designed to be different from each other. We're all designed to be unique. God wants us that way. It's done on purpose. And it's a great and good thing. Look around the room at all the different faces here, all the different styles of people and what they're wearing, all the different um, voices you hear. It's great and it's good. How dull the world will be, would be if we didn't have people that would wear those sorts of you know, trousers over there. And I would never wear them because I couldn't pull them off as well as you guys are pulling them off. But that's because we were different. And you might look at my jeans and go, Flip, I'd never wear those dull gray jeans. You know, it's good that we're different. If we went around here and asked everybody what their favorite foods were, we'd get a whole range of stuff, favorite meals or favorite places to go. And that's great and good. Favorite movies. It's a good thing. So let's keep that in mind, that it is good that we are unique. Sometimes we can make that feel that we're very different and we don't fit in, but that's okay. It's okay to not fit in at different times. All right, so let's celebrate our uniqueness and enjoy being unique. Now, I'm going to ask a quick question. Where have you all come from? Let's see if we can get the person that's journeyed the furthest to get here this weekend. So, have we anybody who's come, say, from about 20, 30 miles away? Yes, a few. Okay, any about 40, 50 miles away, like Belfast or like Carrick or, yep, a few from here. Okay, well, anybody up from Donegal or down from Donegal? Donegal in the background there. Very good. So you've come, what, about 90 miles or so? Is that right? right? don't know. Okay, Donegal, I think this is the furthest so far. Anybody get beat Donegal? Emma, okay, you're from South Dublin. Okay, so not, not North Dublin, East or West, South Dublin. Anybody further away than South Dublin? Paraguay. Paraguay? Who's from Paraguay? Well, right, okay, you win. You win squashies, yeah. I always call them squishums. I don't know why. I have got. I just got into the habit. I always say to my kids, "Do you want squishums? They're squashies, Dad. They're not squishums." So, you you get the squashies. So you do. Do you have these in Paraguay? Oh well, it's a brand new street. They're the sour version. So you've come all the way. Now, did anybody have a, a good journey up, or anybody have a bad journey? Was anybody's journey a bit difficult? No? Okay, does it, what I want you to do with the people around you, just for a, a wee minute, it's just a wee minute, that's Paraguay, that's Northern Irish, by the way, for as long as you want, a wee minute. So for a wee minute, talk to each other about a really fun journey that you went on at some time. So can you think of a journey or a trip that you went on at one point that was really good fun, that you really enjoyed? All right, so just between each other for a wee minute, talk about a journey that you really, really liked. And while you do that, I'm going to come and give you a piece of paper, okay? Okay, so while the paper's still going round, does anybody want to share what their favorite journey was? Anybody want to tell us what one of their favorite trips was and why? Oh, yep, okay, over here. What's your name, sorry? Lucy? Oh, that's my daughter's name, so I'll not forget your name. Very good. So, Lucy, what was your favorite journey? <laughs> right? <laughs> wow, so did you have to look after everybody then? 
Wow, very good. So that was memorable, very good. Anybody else want to share a memorable journey that they had? It might have been memorable for bad reasons rather than good reasons, but anybody? Yes? Oh, wow. So you got to go to Israel for the Passover? And it was your birthday too? Wow, what a brilliant journey. So I bet you'll remember that one for the rest of your life. Anybody else? Oh, yep, Paula. Oh, no. Oh, man. And how long was your flight? <laughs> Just two and a half hours. Oh, I had food poisoning once. Do you remember there was a year at Castle Ellen, everybody got sick? Do you remember that, Paula? There was a year, I had food poisoning once, and I thought it was bad enough being in a caravan, like for a day when it was really rough. But no, an airplane, that, that sounds really nasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Memorable journey? <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so you, I don't know if you all didn't hear that. They went when you were, you were kids with your mum and dad, four or five hours to England, just to find this ice cream shop that their mum and dad had always been going on about, which they weren't even sure if it was still going to be there. And was it still there? It was still there. Well, and how was the ice cream? It was amazing. Wow. My word, it must be some amazing ice cream to, to make a deliberate trip like that. Very good. Excellent. Well, life is a journey, as we know. And it takes us all sorts of different places and really good places. I love traveling. I love traveling and going and seeing far places. I've been able to go and see some great places. I've been to Brazil a couple of times. I've been around different parts of Europe. Last year, I went on holiday to uh, Salou, to Spain. First time getting away since before COVID for a good long while, actually. First time getting properly away, if you like. Away, away, as we say in Irishism. But anyway, it was great. And I loved it, particularly for this what are these guys on? Roller coaster, that's right. On a roller coaster. And I love roller coasters. And in Salou, there's a great theme park with some incredible roller coasters. It has one of the longest roller coasters in Europe, lasts about three and a half minutes. It has one of the fastest, I think the second fastest roller coaster in Europe, which is super fast. It was incredible. It was really great. And then it has one which has uh, the most loops, I think, of any roller coaster in Europe. It has eight loops. So lots of great different types of roller coasters. And I love roller coasters because of how fun they are and exciting they are, but also for these pictures that you see at the end. Like these, can anybody tell me why, why someone on this roller coaster might get a bit of a shock at the end? Or this ride, anyway, I think this might be a log flame. What? Oh, did you spot it, Ellie? The phone, that's right. There's an iPhone flying off into the ether. So someone's going to see these photographs at the end and realize that they no longer have their phone in their pocket. So someone's going to get a nasty shock at the end of this one. Okay. They tell you to hold on tight on a lot of rides and roller coasters. I don't know that they mean to hold on to the face of the person in front. Ho hopefully she knows this person. I mean, that would be awkward if she didn't like. The dad's loving it. I'm not so sure the kid's having as good time as his dad. I think there might be a bit of trauma being caused here in the early, early stages of this kid's life. Okay. Now, this is quite clever, I thought. So someone's going to get, this lady at the front's going to get a surprise of a different kind of the iPhone guy. And I thought this is quite a clever way to ask someone to marry you. Hopefully you got a yes, because that would be a very public and embarrassing no if she said no. But I thought hopefully she'll say yes. Okay, 
Now, we saw someone losing a phone. This, this person's losing something worse than a phone. Losing their dignity, that's right. They're, they are losing their dignity. Well said, whoever said that. Now, I have to point out a couple of things here. Now, I, I'm not a science teacher by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm pretty sure, you know, given momentum and all that sort of thing, that this person here that's duck, ducking and kind of like coiling away, I think she's going to be probably pretty much fine. I don't think she's going to get much there. It's this guy with his mouth wide open behind that I'm worried about. Because I'd say in about half a second later, both of them, and this guy's even leaning in towards it. You know, I, I, I'm worried for them more than the girl beside him. But yes, I'll, I'll take that off now in case that's really upsetting anybody. <laughs> and this is the roller coaster I was on, the Dragon Can with eight loops, and it's just incredible. Now, what I want you to do on your piece of paper um, is to design your own roller coaster for a wee minute, okay? So just from starting from one side of the page to the other, turn it landscape, as they say, and see if you can design a wee roller coaster going up and down to the other side. Okay, and then we'll, we'll say why in a wee minute. Okay. Does anybody want to show, hold up their roller coaster to how we look at some of them? Oh, wow, very good. Quite a few loops there. Okay, excellent. Okay, nice, very good. Some, okay, very good as well. Okay, nice roller coasters up and down, up and down. Okay, so what I want you to do now, and you don't have to share this afterwards, so you don't if you don't want to. Why do you think I'm talking about roller coasters? Because life is a roller coaster. That's right. Life is a bit like a roller coaster. Oh, there we go. There's a microphone here if you want to come up and sing it. <laughs> But that's exactly right. The sentiment in that song is true. Life is a roller coaster, and we just do have to ride it. Um, the, the thing about it is, too, that just like roller coasters, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. So on your little roller coaster you've drawn there, if you want to maybe write on some of the high points, what have been some of your favorite things in your life so far? Some of those great things that you really enjoyed, you know? And then on the low points, maybe write a couple of the things that, have been difficult. If there's been something that's been hard, maybe you've moved to a new school recently, you know, um, maybe there's been a time in your life where things just weren't very good or, you, or you, you struggled a bit with something and or maybe you lost someone that you really cared about and loved. But what have been some of the hard things in your life as well? So on the highs on your roller coaster, write some of those things that you're really thankful for, the really good moments, the fun things. It could be a trip sometime, you know, um, it could be that amazing ice cream shop that you went and visited. It could be a person, you know, that you just really love being with and they are a highlight in your life. But just write those on the highs and then in the lows, write some of the difficult things. Okay. Now, does anybody want to share any what the highs are? We don't have to share anything here if you don't want to, by the way. But just if anyone does want to, you can. Anyone want to share any of the highs? Oh, yep. Sorry, say it again. Gallivant across half the country. That's been one of your highs. Was that just to get here or was that in life general? Wow, so you just went to the side, just go for a drive and see where you went? That's brilliant. 
That reminds me, have you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Just decides to go for a run and he just keeps running and he ends up running across the entire country. He just decides, I'll just go for a run someday. <laughs> that sounds like great fun. And did you find somewhere new? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Anybody else? What's been a high a highlight in your life? Something that you really loved? Thought I saw a hand near the front, but maybe not. Traveling to? Oh, Laos and Thailand. Wow, excellent. Brilliant. Very good. Okay, anybody want to share any of the lows, the low points? Oh, yeah? When you stepped on hot chocolate, was that bad? Oh, hot charcoal. Sorry, that sounds... That's a lot worse than stepping on hot chocolate. <laughs> hot charcoal, that does not sound fun. Very painful. Did you have to go to hospital? Oh, dear. Right? Nasty. Yeah. Okay. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. That's horrible. So waiting for an operation and it just get put back and cancelled and cancelled. And it's hard and it's hard to keep taking. That's what it is. And you know, that's as well a lot like life too. Sometimes we, we can see these difficult times coming. A bit like when you're on that roller coaster, you can see, oh, here's, there's a dip coming here and you can almost prepare yourself for it. But other times you just can't see it coming. And it's almost like it's a, something low and then something low again and something low. And you can start to think, is it ever going to get good again? Am I ever going to be on that good place again? Is it going to pick up again or not? And those times can be very, very tough and hard to deal with. And it's in those times we especially need to turn to God. And God will give us um, a way out. And we can turn to God in so many different ways. Turn to him um, by praying. Turn to him by listening to something or reading something, reading our scripture. Turn to him by talking to someone else who has faith, who we can say, listen, I'm really struggling at the minute. Can you pray for me? Or I'm going through this at the minute. Can you help me out? And they might be able to give you a guide. There's so many ways in which God can become our way maker. But God wants us to invite him to be our way maker, to help him show us a way through what we're going through at that particular time. You know, in scripture, we think of the story of the Exodus, when the Israelites led left um, Egypt and they were traveling to the promised land and now you can say it very simply like that we're leaving Egypt and we're going to the promised land so we know where we're going from and we know where we're going to but that journey was not simple that journey took years and years and years and not everybody that started that journey including Moses himself ever even got to the promised land to see it and that was a difficult journey with so much going on along that journey not just the Egyptians chasing after them as they were to begin with, but lots of other hardships as well. Even just the questions of how are we going to survive this? What are we going to live on? And God provided a way through that. You know, we know that he gave them manna to survive on. You know, but where are we going to go? Who's going to guide us? And we find that God made a way in so many different ways. He gave them an angel as an escort to get them through places. It says that he was there as a pillar of fire at night. Can you just imagine that? A pillar of fire? Imagine going on a journey and a walk and there's a pillar of fire guiding you through the darkness. I mean, that sounds incredible. As I said earlier on, I'm a movie nerd and I can sort of see that almost visually and cinematically what that might look like. This huge pillar of fire. And then it was a pillar of smoke during the day. And even at the time to block off the people who were chasing them so they couldn't see, that pillar of smoke went behind them to be like a block to shield them. 
You know, so all of these different ups and downs, but other struggles too, not just the struggles of the journey, but then people not treating each other properly. And then God gave them a way through that. He provided ways in which they should interact and behave with each other and gave them the Ten Commandments to make that journey easier, to make that journey better for them. You know, God provides a way for us in so many different ways, but he wants us to invite him in. He wants us to bring him into that journey that we're going on. And we see through scripture that there's people all the way right from the very start of the Bible to the end who have roller coaster lives, who have ups and downs, who have highs and lows, good times and then things that they're struggling with. One of the characters that comes to my mind like almost straight away when I think of a roller coaster and a biblical character is Joseph. Joseph got this amazing vision from God, so clear and so strong and so definite that he knew it was from God and that he was going to do something important. He was going to be important. He was going to make some sort of big difference. And he was on cloud nine. He was over the moon. God has a real purpose for me and it's a great purpose. And he's shown it to me. And in that excitement, he wanted to share that with those closest to him. And when he told them they were so jealous and angry, his brothers, that they threw him in a pit and were going to kill him. So he's gone from this incredibly good, big, high moment to this terrible, terrible low moment where the people who he should be able to rely on, his family, who should love him most, want to kill him. And he's left in this pit. And then, of course, they decide we'll not kill him. So that's sort of a high in itself, that. But we'll sell him as a slave to these traitors. So there's another low. But then he gets sold to a man called Potiphar and he does such a great job that Potiphar thinks, this guy is amazing. I'm going to put him in charge of all of my servants. So he's on a better place again. But then Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of doing something he didn't do and he gets thrown into prison. And he's in prison as an innocent man having not done wrong. So he's down on another low, up and down, up and down. And of course, we all know that eventually then he did end up working side by side with the, with the Pharaoh and being his number one man as prime minister were all of Egypt up and down, up and down the whole way through his life. And I have no doubt that you and some of us here are a bit older than others, but even the youngest in here, I'm sure you could already say that your life has, ha- has been a bit of a roller coaster. And if you thought about it, you could write, you could draw a really long roller coaster and write lots of different highs and different lows, different things that were great and different things that you struggled with. Now, we're going to do another wee thing. And while this has been handed out, I'm going to tell you a story about my own life when God really helped me through it a bit. But um, Paula and Paul, if we could see if everybody could get a yellow piece of card, then I might have to pass the Pritt stick around because I don't know if I have, I don't think I have enough Pritt stick. Um, There were more, but there's maybe only four there now, right? Okay. Um, So, and then everyone's going to get a couple of blue pieces of card as well. So you may have to leave this in in our hatch and come back and work on it at different times. But there'll be cookies and coffee and sweets that you can come back and and finish this off at another time if you'd like to do that. Okay, so while this is coming out, um, so you mentioned about your your sister who had a lot of different operations. And my wee girl who's called Lucy as well, she she was very sick as well. She had massive heart failure, which became, led to kidney failure. And um, she was in hospital for nine months whenever she was a a really small baby. And we had lots of, there was lots of lows, and especially in the very early days, she was in PICU for eight weeks, and it was very bad. And there's days where it didn't look like she was going to make it through, but she did, thankfully. But anyway, she then started to do really well, and she uh, had got over the heart failure, and she had, 
she had a stoma bag as well. You mentioned your sister, sister she's a stoma too. And she got through that after three months. But then the kidneys never started working again. So she had to have constant dialysis. But she was doing really, really, really well. But she was on a very special machine that only worked on little, little babies. But it could only work on them until they hit about four and a half kilograms in weight. After that, it wouldn't work anymore. And she would have to go on a different style of dialysis called PD, which goes in through your tummy. And, um, and then because the adult machines, the big adult machines that dialyze through your blood, you can't go on them until you're at least six kilograms. And even at six kilograms, they don't always work. They're, they often fail. So anyway, Lucy was at this stage, Lucy was about six or seven months old. And apart from the dialysis she had to get every day, you wouldn't have thought she was a sick child. She was smiley. She was doing all the things that babies like six, seven months old do. Smiling, gooing and gan, you know, playing with toys, you know, all the normal stuff that, that babies at that age do. So she was doing brilliantly. Unfortunately, though, and she had lots of prayer through this. And we as a family had lots of prayer. And like I said, there was good days and bad days, hard days and things, days when things were going well, days when things weren't. But at this point, she was doing really, really well. But basically then, she had the operation. When she was hitting four kilograms, they did the operation to have the PD put in for that form of dialysis. But it didn't work. PD wouldn't work. And they think it's because she had had the surgery on her tummy for the stoma. They then took us into the room and said, unfortunately, because this PD dialysis isn't working, then we don't know how to dialyze your child. We don't know how we're going to do it. Um, because the PD won't work. This machine won't work once she hits four and a half kilograms. And the next machine that she could go on, she'll not be big enough for it until she's six kilograms. So they said this basically, the words, the exact words they said were, she's between uh, the devil in the deep blue sea and a rock in a hard place. There's no way to turn at this moment. And so we basically were told that we were probably going to lose her because in four or five weeks time, she would hit four and a half kilograms and that machine wouldn't work. The PD wouldn't work and the bigger machine wouldn't work. And now this machine that she was on had just only recently been invented. And the guy that invented it was in and out with Lucy all the time and his two engineers. So we were basically devastated. And I remember at that time, I became very, very deeply angry with God. The Israelites in this journey, they become angry with God at lots of different points. Very angry with God because they've taken him away from, from Egypt and they're glad of that. But at times they even say, it would have been better to be back in there. Look at this, we've no food. Look at this journey we're on, we've no escape. They're going to chase us down and kill us. And they got very angry at God. And at this point, whenever we were in this situation with Lucy, I got very angry with God, very, very angry with God. And I said things to God that I shouldn't have said. I got very angry, I, I didn't want to know at one point. My dad phoned me, and my dad was a Methodist minister, and he said, listen, we're, we're going to pray for Lucy and, and for this situation. And, and lots of churches actually had prayer, prayer meetings for this specific situation, and we're very grateful for that. And I, the words I said to my dad on the phone were, do you know what, Dad? You go ahead and pray. I'm done with praying. And I said, in fact, the way I am at the minute with praying, it's like if you had asked me to go out and, and wash your car because it's a bit dirty, I feel what God is doing is like me saying to you, do you know what? No, Dad. Not only am I not going to go out and wash your car, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to put more dirt on it. And I said, that's how it feels at the minute. Lucy was getting better and everything was going well. And then we've hit this and every which way they turn, nothing is working. And I just felt so angry. And I went out for a walk in the park. There's a big park. It's right in Newcastle, where we were in England, at the hospital there. There's a big park right behind St. James's Football Park. 
And I went and had a walk around there. And I was walking and I was, I was just so angry. And I was listening to a football podcast. I just wanted to get my head cleared away anywhere. And I didn't know what to do. I was so angry with God. But then words came into my head from a youth event like this, from years and years ago, whenever I was the same age as some of you, about 14, 15, in which the speaker said, those times when you're at your most angry with God, those times when you doubt him most, when you think he's not there at all, when you think he doesn't care, when you don't want to know him, those are actually the times where you need to turn towards him most. Those are the times where you actually need to reach out to him the hardest. Those are the times where you actually need to run to him and embrace him. And this came back into my head, and, I, and this was from about 20 odd years before, and it just came back into my head as clear as a bell. And I was like, right, I'm going to try that. And on my phone, I have this app which lets you listen to radio stations from all around the world. And, I just, and you can just put in a search bar. So I just put Christian Radio into the search bar. And the first station that came up, I hit it. And as soon as I hit it, a song came on in my, in, in my ears by a, a Christian artist called Mandisa called The Overcomer. And the words in the song talked about how when you get to a stop and it feels like it's a dead end and nothing's going your way, you're an overcomer. And that God will help get you through. And that you're an overcomer. And I felt that these words were being spoken about Lucy. That she would overcome. That this situation would somehow be overcome. Even though I couldn't, I couldn't see how. And I felt this immediate sensation in my, in my chest of just peace and calm and that this will get me overcome. Lucy will overcome this. This situation won't last. And it was such a certain feeling. It's hard to describe. But I was absolutely certain that this would, this would, would work and would be okay. So, to try and cut a little bit of this story shorter, basically, the guy who had invented the machine, the doctor said to him, look, is there any way you can adapt this machine to try and get her to at least the six kilograms? He met with his two main engineers, and they said, they came back, and they said to us all in this meeting, look, it's impossible. It's taken three years to get the machine to go up to four and a half kilograms. You're wanting us to go up to six kilograms in the space of three to four weeks. Like, we just have to say, we don't think this can be done. But they said, we're going to give it a try. They'd started to form a relationship with us as a family and with Lucy too. And off they went. And they worked and they worked on every aspect of this machine you could possibly imagine. The wiring on it, the filters, how long the filters on it were, how fat they were, how much material was inside them, how thin, how thick the glass of them was. Everything you could imagine, they worked on. And in three and a half weeks, they adapted the machine. They turned this machine into a machine that could not only go up to six kilograms, but could go right up to eight kilograms. And whenever you spoke to these guys about it, and now none of them are Christians, and I, they, they, what they would say to us was, they'd say, do you know what? We just kept getting different ideas. Just ideas started popping into our head, and we just thought, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? Why don't we try this? And it just all worked. And we kept finding ideas that worked, but finding them quite quickly, because they knew there was a time frame. So if they found 10 ideas and none of them worked, time was lost. But the ideas that they had just kept working and working. And they phoned the, the, the guys, the manufacturers that make all these parts. They told them the situation. They said, listen, we can do day, like next day or day, daily deliveries of the stuff that you need just because they were working with them on this machine. So they were amazing too. And the guy, but, but then they realized, so the main man that invented it, a guy called Malcolm Kiltart, he realized that the machine was now so different that it was no longer the machine that had been cleared to be used on human beings. So he thought, we've, we've got the machine to where it needs to be, but we can't use it on the wee girl because it hasn't passed the safety things. 
And to pass the safety things, you have to do animal testing. And to do animal testing, you need like six months. So this 68-year-old man said to his nurse, his mate, like this nurse that I worked with him for 30 years, and his two engineers, we need to find a room in the hospital where we won't be interrupted. And he hooked himself up to the machine and across three days sat on this machine for the guts of 12 hours a day and gathered all the data they would need to gather to show that it was safe to be used on human beings. And then they went to the hospital administration guys and said, listen, we've adapted this machine. Here's all the data that says it's clear to be used on human beings. I've tested myself on it. This wee girl needs to go on it or she's going to pass away in two weeks. And they said, okay, you can use it. And they signed off on it. And we Lucy was on it. And then that machine took her right away till she was about seven kilograms. And then she came home here and she got dialyzed until she was able to have a transplant years later back here at home. But that whole situation, in my mind, God really worked a miracle in there. I believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't work just in these big massive events that we see at times, but just giving these wee thoughts in our heads at times that lead to good things. Those times where you've maybe had a wee thought, you know, maybe I should check in on so-and-so, and it turns out you were, it was a really good idea to have done that. Or those wee thoughts at times, maybe I'll do this, or maybe I'll read that passage, and it really works for you, and there's something in there that really speaks to you. Those are really good little moments, I think, from the Holy Spirit. Now, what we're doing here at the minute is, so with our, we're running out of time so badly, um, with our little sheets, this is your seabed because the Israelites came to the Red Sea and again, they felt a bit like we did in that situation. How are we going to overcome this? How are we going to get past this? How are we going to get through this? And of course, God parted it for them in a spectacular fashion, a way which defied logic. He parted the water. He made a way through for the Israelites to get through to the other side. But standing there looking at it, they thought it was done. They thought it was hopeless. They thought that's it, a dead end. We're doomed. We can get to that point in our lives at different times too. But God wants us to let him in because he can do amazing things and amazing miracles. He's okay with us being angry at him. He can take it. He's okay with us being annoyed or doubtful. But what he doesn't want us to do is to turn away and walk away. He wants us to turn to him and to ask for his help, even when we cannot see how that help might come, like they couldn't see in that situation, like I could not see in the situation with my daughter. So trust in God in these moments that he can make the way through. So what I want you to do with, with these, thing, these things here, we're going to we maybe have to come back and do this or take it away and do it. You've got, you got your two sheets of blue paper as well. That's your two sides of the sea. And if you put them down on the piece of paper, Okay, and then if you glue the very edges, so do it the other way around, slightly turn around. Yeah, and then if you glue the very edges, that's like your dead sea, and then you can peel back the middle. But what I want you to do today before you go is on the water, I want you to write what some of those things are that you struggle with that are hard for you at this moment in time. That are maybe the things that at times block you from seeing where God is. That are the things that at times make you doubt, make you sad make you worried, the things which maybe get you a wee bit anxious at these times, I want you to write those on your blue pieces of paper. You can do all the glue in it another time, but if you write those on your blue pieces of paper, those things which for you just sap times your hope, just drain you at, the, at times, just make you think, I, I, I struggle with this, and at times I, I, I can't see a way through it. They could be some big things, they might be little things that you struggle with, but what are they? Put them down. So if you do that for one wee minute, um, now, and you can take these away and think about more later. So just write what some of those things are that really challenge you at this moment in time and, and, and you struggle with.
Okay, and then on your yellow sheet. So the great thing about this life is we don't do it on our own. There's people around us, there's people with us all the way through. And what I want you to do is on the yellow sheet underneath the ocean, in the middle, write the people who you're thankful with that are on this journey with you. So who are some people that you know you can rely on them, you can turn to them? People who just brighten up your life, who you're thankful for, who maybe are a good influence on you too. Maybe they're people that, you know, you're just glad of who they are in your life and what they do and what they speak into your life. It might be, you know, your youth leader or someone that's brought you here today. It could be your mum or your dad or both. It could be, you know, a coach maybe that you have in football or something else. It could be your best mates, brother or sister. It could be all of those people. It doesn't just have to be one or two. But who are some of the people in your life that you're just really thankful for and that are on this journey with you? Okay. So time's moving on, so I have to bring this to a bit of a close, but you can, you can come back in here and sit and work. You can stay on if you want and, and work on this if you like, um, or come back, set it. If we, we can put some down over here if you want to with your name on it, and you can work on it another time. But as I say, God has put people in our lives. God can make ways in incredible, incredible ways that we don't understand through things. Like I said, those, those three guys that designed and built that machine, none of them believed in God. I had conversations that they would turn around and say, look, it's just incredible. You know, it took three and a half years to get the machine to this point, And in three weeks, we've doubled its capacity. They said as well that now that gap is gone. There's no hemodialysis gap left. So the hemodialysis is through the blood. So now there was that gap in between four and a half and six for the adult machine. Now that's gone. Even those ones that struggle at the six kilograms, that's gone. They can go on our machine instead. And that machine's being mass, repu- mass produced now, so it has. Um, but they just said, this, it's just incredible. I would say, well, I think it's the power of God working in you. And they'd say these, these ideas popped into their heads from out of nowhere. And I said, I think that's the Holy Spirit. And maybe they thought about it. I'm not so sure. I'm still friendly with Malcolm Coulthard. In fact, I'm going over to stay with them in September in Newcastle. And we have conversations about God all the time. Um, and he's an incredible man. And I just pray as well for his heart, that he can recognize the miracles that God has done through him. But God can find ways which we don't expect and work through other people in ways that we don't expect. And it's great that we have these people in our lives who can pray for us, who can journey with us in, in these difficult times. And these are people we, we, God wants us to turn to. Sometimes the way God is helping us through something is through someone else. We can't do it on our own, so we need to go to someone else. And that is God making a way. Some of those good, fun things that you put in your roller coaster, sometimes God just wants us to go in and do something that we enjoy. God knows that for us, to maybe just go to that beach that we love going, or to do what you and your mate did, just get in a car and drive somewhere, have some fun, you know what I mean? Those things that we like doing, God has put those in our lives and blessed us with them, so that in times of difficulty, we will have things that we can think about. Unfortunately, I think sometimes in life, we almost like zoom in on the little part of our, our life that's really, really struggling and really bad. It's like we zoom right in on that and we lose sight of the bigger picture. And God wants us to zoom back out and just see all of those good and great things that are in our life. That yes, that part, that difficult part is still there, but there is so much else around it that can help us through and so many great people. So let's bow our heads and pray to finish, okay? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the ways that you make in our lives. We thank you for the ways in which you guided people all through Scripture, through difficult times, through times that at times seemed 
utterly impossible. You know, a pillar of fire, Lord, at night, a pillar of cloud during the day to guide the Israelites. But even after seeing that, Lord, when they came to the Red Sea, they still doubted. But you were there for them again, Lord, and you parted it in spectacular ways and made the way through for them. Lord, we come to different things in our lives where it seems like a Red Sea, where it seems that there's something so difficult or hard in front of us that we don't know how we're ever going to get through it. But Lord, we thank you that you can do amazing things. Lord, that you can part that sea and show us the way through. And Lord, we thank you too that you don't expect us to do it on our own, but you you bless us with people to walk through with us. And we pray, Lord, that we're always thankful for that. And we never forget that. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Alrighty, so thank you very much. And please do come back tomorrow.